you looking to pursue excellence and take your success to the next level? You're in the right place. Welcome to Excellence Mindset with your host, Ryan James Miller. What up? Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Excellence Mindset Podcast. I'm working on a day that I'm not supposed to be working, by the way, and maybe we're going to talk about that, too, because it's Saturday, and normally I'm kicking it on the couch at this point, but I didn't do that today because I got a special guest with me. Good friend. He's a speaker. He's an author. I just found that out. Writer. (laughs) He's a blogger. He's a YouTuber. He's an apologist. He's a teacher. He's a husband. He's a great uncle to a couple of young kids. Man, that just keeps on going and going and going. And so with that, welcome Ryan Pauly. Thank you so much. It sounds like a lot. I know. But hey, I normally don't, well, I sometimes work on Saturdays, but right now I probably should be on a bike ride, but instead I chose to be here with you. Dude, it's warm enough in this room right now that I think you're going to sweat just as much as you would. <laughs> I won't get the exercise though. Uh Oh, man. So uh, so as I was just saying, all of those titles, first of all, they don't fit on a business card. So you're out there. That's why I don't have one. No. But, but what happens when like you come across somebody, let's just say that you're just chit chatting in a line at Starbucks or the grocery store or something. And someone says, oh, well, what do you do? What the heck do you say to them? It normally depends on the context. But normally I say I'm a high school teacher. Uh, there are times I'll, if I'm on a trip or something for speaking, I'll say public speaker. Yeah. Uh, but it really kind of just depends on the context of what I feel like saying at the time. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't want to talk to anybody, see, that's me. Like if I don't want to strike up conversation, I just say, well, I'm a pastor. And then it's like, oh, well, see, I find that that normally causes people to maybe ask more questions because normally when I say I'm a teacher or something, they go, what do you teach? And then I say I teach comparative religions, a philosophy of ethics, and a, and a Christian doctrine and apologetics. They go, wait a second, what? And then they start having questions. Yeah. I just think that they don't know what the heck you just said. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, uh, I don't know. That's where if, you, if I just said I'm a Christian apologist, then they go, oh, okay, that's nice. Yeah. Because they have no idea what that is. Yeah. Or they're scared. Yeah. Because those two words together nowadays in society get pretty scary yeah you definitely don't bring up like a youtuber because then they're like oh what's your channel i'm gonna you know so. do you do squishies squishies you don't oh man uncle ryan doesn't know what squishies are slime slime uh, videos no oh gosh sorry i think you're just too isolated to your own youtube channel then <laughs> or the ones that i subscribe to well, the problem is, is when you have little kids like I do, they uh, overtake your YouTube channel you because you don't want to let them go on their own. And uh, so before long, all of my history is all of young kids doing things, which if that was caught by the wrong person, that could become a really awkward conversation. Like, why are you looking <laughs> at little kids playing with toys all day long? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my uh, my niece and nephew are, are not, well, at least one of them not, is not close by. The other ones aren't on my YouTube channel, so I guess that's why that doesn't pop up. <laughs> that's good. Keep it that way. <laughs> okay, so let's uh, let, let's take a, a big step backwards. So, and I don't even know the answer to this question. So what came first? The chicken? No. Uh, what came first? Teaching or you going into apologetics and speaking? Teaching came first. Okay. Um, so I graduated college with my degree in theology and religion okay. and actually uh, was trying to find a job as a pastor, specifically youth pastor, and uh, ended up going overseas as a missionary. And the only opportunity that was offered to me overseas was teaching English at a school in the Dominican Republic. And okay. so I actually turned it down a few times because I... 
I, I hated school. I hated being in the classroom. I was so glad I was done with college. I said, <laughs> I'm never going back in another classroom. And so I said no to this position and for about a month or so until finally I agreed to it and said, okay, fine, I'll go teach at this school for one year. Mm. Um, and that led to two years, which then led to four years until I came back in, to the United States. And uh, now I'm teaching here and about to start my ninth year teaching. Oh, my. Nine yeah, years? Nine years. Dude, you're like 20-something. No. How old are you? 31. 31? Yeah. Oh, he's old, too. <laughs> no. Not that old. Okay, so <clears throat> so you decide that you want to take this job in teaching. That was nine years ago. Yeah. Did you go right into Christian education? Yeah, so it was a Christian uh, school in the Dominican Republic uh, founded by some missionaries, but mostly Dominican students. Okay. And so they wanted Americans to come in to teach English because at a lot of the other schools, when the you know everyone has accents when they speak English if they're not native English speakers. Yeah. So they wanted to have a Americans that were virtually without accent. I mean, there's accents in different parts of the United States, but, you know, um, that uh, we're teaching their students. And so mostly Americans would come in to teach in the English program. Okay. And so that's what I did for, uh, for four years. My fourth year, though, was when there was a switch to where I went from teaching junior high, high school English uh, to I said, I want the advanced English class where uh, we get to teach subjects in English mm. versus just teaching them grammar, writing, and that kind of stuff. So it was my fourth year at that school that I switched I started teaching leadership, apologetics, uh, a worldview class, uh, literature, and, and uh, all in English. And so, I mean, I know that, it, and maybe I'm answering my own question, but so you studied religion in college. And youth leadership. And youth leadership. And so was that the draw then to, <clears throat> to step into teaching religion and on to apologetics and other things and for you as a teacher? Yeah, that, that was definitely it. I mean, that's where I, I was, that was my area of interest, mm -hmm. right? So I stepped straight into teaching English and I'm terrible at English. My writing is not good. My, my you know, <laughs> I don't write well and all that kind of stuff. And, and so uh, that was not, I, I realized in my first three years that I love teaching. Uh, and the reason why I studied religion and youth leadership, thinking I want to be a pastor, is because I love preaching. I discovered that in college. And when I went into teaching, I realized, my goodness, this is like preaching, but I get to do it five times a week. Yeah. And I get to be with these students five times a week rather than seeing them once a week as a pastor. And so, um, but I realized quickly, I don't like teaching English. And so it was in my fourth year where I said, I want the advanced English class to where I can teach actual subjects. And I started teaching apologetics and 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 leadership studies and uh and worldview that i went oh my goodness this is what i want to do okay so <clears throat> I, I i'm already thinking as we're talking that people that are listening uh and we'll get to some of this later but like why the heck is this guy on this podcast which is a lot about business so we'll get into that in a little bit but maybe we should define some terms and so uh, how do you define apologetics or an apologist yeah so apologetics is simply a defense of a truth claim so christian apologetics would be making a defense for the truth of christianity so what I do is kind of twofold is one is a positive case for Christianity. So I uh, in my public speaking, in my writing, in my YouTubing uh, is a lot of giving arguments and reasons why Jesus rose from the dead, why God exists, uh, why the Gospels are true, uh, th those kind of arguments. And then also it is uh, answering questions that people have. So mm -hmm. when people come to me and say, how do you explain this? How do you explain this? Why does God allow evil? Uh, how can we reconcile, you know, Christian ethics and that kind of stuff? And then it's answering those sort of questions on, on defending the different claims of Christianity. Yeah. So there's apologists for different, a lot of different religions and different ideas. Apologist is someone who defends that truth claim. Yeah. Okay. That's a good, no, that's good. Good definition. 
<laughs> Thank you. I hope I can define what I do. <laughs> Way better than I could have. Um, okay, so that's interesting. So let, let's stick there for a second. So as I hear that term, and this is coming from a Christian, a pastor, um, somebody that is definitely deeply uh, entrenched in my faith and belief. So I hear that the word apologist, apologetics, and um, a lot of things come to mind. And a lot of those things make me cringe Mm -hmm. because I immediately start to think of arguments Mm -hmm. and sometimes erratic, uh, but definitely arguments uh, uh, and uh, whether that's slinging. And I actually saw this happen the other day to you on social media. I'm sure it happens a lot, uh, but just uh, slinging insults, right? Not necessarily from you, but, um, you know, but that happens. And yet I know you to be, by and large, a pretty mild-tempered guy. Uh, His wife's in the room, too, and so I was waiting to see if she smirked or something like that. Uh, But no, I mean, you're pretty chill. You're pretty even keel. I mean, I know you get passionate about the things that you believe in and the things that you talk about. But um, but yeah, like so as I say that, like, first of all, do you see that as being the case out in the uh, in culture as it relates to let's just talk about Christian apologetics, like maybe a lot of argumentation, a lot of anger and frustration. And then maybe to follow up to that is then how do you balance like holding the line of truth as you speak to people and wanting to uh, seek to understand where they're coming from, their beliefs, their religion, if they have one, um, and just caring for them as a person. Yeah. Man, that's a lot of questions. Um, <laughs> we can revisit <laughs> so that. Let's, as yeah, we go. let's see if I can remember all of them. Yeah. So maybe but, start but, with like the idea of so like my gut reaction is like, yeah. Ugh, so. so I think I mean this is even in th- some of the things that I deal with in apologetics is is people try to uh, or often have a negative view of either religions or mm-hmm. Christianity based on how some Christians act. Right? Yeah. Christians are you know they're hypocritical. They they say one thing and do another. Right? Yeah. So if you look in the apologetics world. Uh, what you see is not that, right? So what you see being taught is that it is not about winning arguments. And I normally will say this often when I'm dealing with students because they learn these arguments to defend the faith and then they just feel like they can kind of go bash them over the head with it. And it's always very clear this is not about winning arguments. This is about winning people, right? We we want to go into a discussion not as as a military force trying to overcome you, but as uh, as I often say, like diplomacy, right? It, it's about we are Christian ambassadors. This is what Second Corinthians talks about: is that Christians are ambassadors for Christ, and an ambassador is someone who goes in peacefully into a country and learns how to maneuver in conversation and have very positive, fruitful dialogue so that these two countries can work together. An ambassador is not an army yeah right and so that's where when you when you look at some of the major apologists this is what you'll see them talking about this is what they're preaching this is what they're sharing this is the goal of apologetics is diplomacy is is having fruitful dialogue uh, in these conversations where I think you get the bad rap is just how you see dialogue and culture I mean look right, at the political right. climate we, we can't have two people that disagree on something do so with with charity right, right right and if you look at i mean even you know the major apologetics verse in the bible is first peter three fifteen, where it talks about that you need to always be ready to give a defense a reason for the hope that is in you but do it with gentleness and respect mm-hmm. right and so that gentleness and respect is something that we're often missing yes. in culture as a whole and in what i would say is maybe young apologists or people who aren't quite there and they get very bitter and angry yeah yeah so okay so um uh, I, I think that like even sometimes in the language, like I, I say this a lot on this podcast, like words matter so much. Yeah. And so I even think that a lot of times uh, when we talk about uh, arguments for 
that that just takes on a negative connotation and that's not intended to be that way yeah. necessarily um like even when you think in a courtroom right and you think about like you know uh, a, a lawyer's argument it's not necessarily to go to war with the other person yeah. it's like your defense of and so i think that that's that's helpful for people to understand is it's we're not trying to or you're not trying to equip people to argue yeah. you're trying to equi equip people to first of all defend the faith that they stand on uh, but then also to to help people understand what that really is yeah and and i mean if you want to just change the word what it really is is giving you a reason for yeah right yeah. so this is you know, as you mentioned a business podcast and so it's like you know as a business owner you have to give reasons why these clients should sign with you mm -hmm. right you are making an argument for why your company is better than someone else and the better you can make that argument uh, again we think of argument as bad oh yep. you're arguing with someone no you're giving a reason you're giving uh, a, a conclusion and some reasons to support hey my business will help in this and here are the three reasons why and you're creating an argument to give them that is hopefully going to be persuasive yeah that they will choose you yeah and that is the same thing here yeah 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 and <clears throat> so i i love something that you uh, so uh, Again, there's a lot of things that I think that uh, hopefully people will follow you after this uh, on uh, Instagram, YouTube. Definitely Instagram's easy because you write these quick little kind of like one hits, <clears throat> but they'll see your tone in a lot of what you do. But one thing that I really appreciate and, uh, you know, and I'd love to hear your thoughts uh, is around how you handle your classroom and teaching students and you open yourself up to conversation and to questions. And so you're regularly posing questions to students around maybe a topic that you want them to answer or even more so is, you know, there's maybe a statement or a question that you want them to, what, like, what other questions do you have as it relates to this topic? Yeah. So is that something that you've done all along where you've kind of opened yourself up to be kind of, um, uh, I can't find the right word right now, but um, to where you're opening yourself up to those questions? Um, like, why did you decide to do that? Is it something that you've always done? I think it's something that I've always wanted to do, um, not necessarily knowing the best way to go about doing it. Mm. So again, as as someone who wants to answer questions, I always I always joke with students and say I got a master's degree in answering questions, <laughs> uh, because that's really kind of what apologetics is. Is I want to be able to answer the questions that you have, uh, but finding that. Uh, when in the right situation, students have a lot of questions. People have a lot of questions. Yeah. When put in the right situation. But oftentimes, you know, you, you even see on Instagram sometimes like, who has a question? And no one will ask anything. Yeah. But then I'll sit down at a Q&A and I'll go for two and a half hours where everyone has questions. Yeah. And so what I found in my classroom, what I do is I have a question folder in my classroom uh, where they can turn in questions anytime they want on anything. But then I also realize I would say, hey, if you put a question in here, I'll answer it. And I would get a question once every three or four weeks. Well, what I started doing is I got kind of front heavy questions. I, I, I asked everyone to write down something. They gave me 50 questions. <laughs> and I started doing it every day. Mm. So every day, and now I have 50 days worth of questions to start. But as they put questions in the folder, then I would bump that one up to the top of the list. And I think what that did is it showed them that not I, it's not like, well, if I'm only answering a question once every three weeks, uh, they kind of just forget about it. Mm -hmm. But when they know every single day they come into my classroom and I'm going to be answering one of their questions every single day, I'm going to take two minutes at the beginning of my class, answer a question, then that's on their mind. In fact, there are times where I didn't answer a question because of something going on that day and I know I didn't have time. And they go, where's the question of the day? Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, sorry, guys, we don't have time for that today. Uh, but they came in expecting that. And so, again, I think that's just the, the, the kind of the culture that you create, yeah. because when you create the right environment and culture, people have a lot of questions. Yeah. 
and I find that again, when you're answering the questions that they have, they're drawn to you, uh, and th- and and that is uh, that is what I want, right? I, yeah. I want I want them to know where they can go when they have questions on an issue. Yeah. And so, hey, if you have questions when it comes to world religions or ethics or Christianity or culture, this is a place, and they should kind of know that in the back of their head because they're constantly seeing me post on Instagram and YouTube and my website, and and so they have that. They know that that's the culture, and that's a place that they can go. So what was the craziest question that you've been asked? Oh my goodness. Um, one kid came up to me and said, if you were, a, if, uh, if you were an animal, what would you be? I mean, <laughs> when you're dealing with junior hires and then when he's like, you're my spirit animal. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Um, then there's like off the wall questions of where they pick out just random things out of the Bible or it's in first Kings chapter two. When I'm like, dude, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, things about aliens that comes up often with students of what about aliens and and they have all the and what's crazy is that they they're so uh shaped by sci-fi movies Mm -hmm. that they see something in a movie and therefore it must be somehow possible and so uh there are a lot of questions on you know uh, artificial intelligence and robots gaining human abilities and all this kind of stuff that is in our movies but yeah you know it's not possible yeah so yeah at least not yet right yeah i would say not at all (laughs) (laughs) that's another discussion um yeah i know you know that's interesting when you talk about or you know when that's the answer those are the type of questions i mean i think that for adults most often you know the question we get which is just a a a really a brutal question to answer uh, is you know a lot of adults ask you know why does god allow evil in the world you know that becomes a big question particularly when they've experienced tragedy and like in church last sunday i mean we go through discipleship classes in church and so we were uh studying through the book of job and i mean here's a poor guy that his life was just absolutely ravaged right and as a christian if you're on the uh, gosh, this is a terrible way to say this, but like if you're on the healthy side of Christianity, meaning like you're in a good place this time and you're not like in the valley, then you're like, oh yeah, I can understand. You know, God uses that all for good and we got all these like answers. But when you're down in that like pit of hell, you're like, no, that's like messed up. So I'm sure you just get, you get a lot of tough questions because yeah. even all the way through to adults, like the kids may have some crazy ones, even though they're probably, they're very real to them. Uh, but that never ends, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. And those are the hardest questions to answer when, you know, you, you, you give a lecture and, and I'll give a lecture on why God allows evil, but then, you know, a student will come up during a Q and A and go, well, what about these people being sold into sex slavery? Yeah. And, and they start bringing up these very painful, terribly evil situations that do create that emotional response. Yeah. So one of the things that you mentioned of, of how do I kind of keep my cool or how do I have these conversations yeah. is one thing that I do is I have learned to ask a lot of questions. Mm. And so when someone would when someone comes to me and, and says, why does God allow evil? I always respond with a question. I say, of all the questions to ask about God, why this one? Mm-hmm. Because there's a difference between someone who has just experienced emotional evil, yes. a loss in their life, cancer, the death of a loved one, something terribly evil, and they are in a very emotional state mm-hmm. where they are sad they're, they're going through mourning and that person uh you don't give the intellectual answer to yeah and now if they want the intellectual answer if they you know batman versus superman gives an intellectual argument against the existence of god using using evil and if they go well i just watched batman versus superman i'm just curious how you make sense of this yeah well now we can go into the intellectual reasons on how the actual logical problem of evil has been rejected by virtually all philosophers because it doesn't stand up right and so now they turn to more of a probability argument against god using evil but uh that's the first question I always want to ask because, again, when you're having these conversations, 
people often feel like you're beating them over the head because you don't understand where they're coming from. Right. right. And so by asking questions and, and figuring out where are you coming from? Uh, I mean, the three questions I always teach students is the first one is, what do you mean by that? making sure that we are uh, discussing the same thing. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if you want to use example from Christianity, it's like, well, I don't believe in God. What do you mean by God? Well, this mean bully that sits up in the sky with a big, long white beard that's always judging people. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't believe in that yeah. God either. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so oftentimes I'm defending the existence of God. They're saying God doesn't exist. We're talking about two different gods. Yeah. Right. So I want, first want to understand, well, what do you mean by that? Let's make sure we get our definitions clear. We're talking about the same thing. The second one is how did you come to that conclusion? What evidence do you have to support your conclusion that you have? And I think this is the Twitter or the Instagram uh, conversation that you probably saw yeah, where a guy made a claim and I said, do you have any reasons to believe this? And he just started calling me names. Mm -hmm. and, well, you're a Christian. Evidence doesn't work for you. I'm like, but you haven't given me any mm -hmm. evidence. And so asking, what is your reason for this? And then, and then the third question is, have you considered this? And you yeah. present another alternative, but doing so in the, in the form of a question. Yeah. Because questions cause people to think. Right. So, again, I'm not forcing my views on you. I'm not telling you what you have to do. And, and again, I, I just keep thinking about the, the theme of this podcast of, you know, in the business world, like, hey, what are your reasons for doing this? Yep. What are your reasons for doing this? Okay, have you considered that we can offer this for you? Yeah. And asking questions in that way to get people to go, wow, I haven't considered that. Yep. Um, and that is the, what you, the, the attitude that you want, that you're not an army force coming in yep. and forcing yourself upon someone, but you are using diplomacy. You're asking questions. And I found that that is very helpful, not only with the argument or the question of why does God allow evil, understanding where the person's coming from. Yep. Why do you believe what you do? How did you come to that conclusion? And this helps so much, not only understanding them, but really calming down the conversation where we're trying to work together. And it shows that I genuinely care. Yeah. You know, when, when other people of other religions come to my house, I spend most of the time asking them why they're that religion, yep. why they believe that way. Have they grown up this way? Have they always believed it? Have they had any changes or anything? And often I won't start giving a reason for my point until they ask me. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so, and that's how I think that it really helps conversations. I generally care about what you have to say. Yeah. And, but at the same time, when you're learning about their perspective, now that gives you, uh, it's kind of a tactical move. It gives you more of a knowledge on now how to maneuver in that conversation yeah. of, yep. okay, here are the reasons where they're struggling to make this decision. Now I can address it in this way yeah. versus if you never ask those questions and never know where they're coming from, then you may hit it front on and that's not the best way to hit it because yeah. they may have a different issue. Yeah. Yeah. No. <clears throat> so people hear me say this all the time on this podcast. I coach this to leaders and just people in general. I say, I quote Stephen Covey and Stephen Covey in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People says, seek first to understand and then be understood. <clears throat> and I think that that is a lost art mm -hmm. uh, in society in general, right? I mean, even as we talk about um, politics and the way that the Democratic people, the Democrats and the Republicans behave towards one another. At the end of the day, if they could really like set aside all their hatred for each other for the stupidest of reasons, they would probably realize that they are trying to accomplish the same thing by and large, right? Uh, clearly some differences of opinion, but they don't seek to understand one another. They're not trying to really understand where the other one wants to go. And so I think that if we treated people more like people and not like problems, yeah. not like um, opportunities, uh, and, and again, whether that's, uh, you know, talking about Christianity, that's been one of my biggest rubs. And, you know, when I first became a Christian, which 
that was 2006 for me. So that was older, you know, an older time in life and God radically changed my life. I mean, it was just like unbelievable slap in the face in the best of ways, saved my marriage and just did so many things to me internally. And so I was on fire and all I wanted to do was slap everybody in the face the same way, right? (laughs) Because that worked for me. But it's God that slapped you, not a person. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But, but, but okay. So there were some big things there. First of all, that was not the theology that I was taught, right? I was taught biblically that that was something that somebody provoked me to do. Mm. And it took me a while to understand that that was truly God that was at work in my own heart for years and years and years, bringing me to a place where I could positively respond to that gospel call to, to believe, right? And so... It was, it was some bad theology. It was also bad practice of just other people that were around me because, again, uh, uh, and again, this is not an implication on everybody, but a lot of people were trying to argue people into the kingdom of heaven. And we know that that's impossible, right? It, it is God and God alone. We stand as vessels. You know, we are, we are called to share the gospel. We are called to preach the truth of what Christ came to do and say. And so, like, we are a part of that, but— we are only a part in as much as God even enables us to be a part of yeah. that. And so that's just so important for us to understand. And I think that we forget that and we immediately go to this place of like, like you need to do something. Yeah. And going back to what you said, it's like, take time. Like these are people. I mean, I've got relationships, like every single one of my friends that is not a Christian, I pray not often enough, but I pray that every single one of them will come to faith in Christ, not for me, but for the sake of their own eternity. And yet we don't have that conversation every day. And that's totally okay, right? Like I just love them and care about them. And there's so many different ways to go about reasoning with them and demonstrating to them Christ. And sometimes that means coming right out and saying it black and white. And other times that's just loving them and listening to them, right? There's just so much to that. Absolutely. And, you know, I was just thinking as you're saying that, I mean, there's one of the things that we often talk about is that there's a person behind every argument, mm-hmm. right? We love to see people and label them according to their political position or their argument. And it's like, no, there's a person there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I also think of other things that pop into mind as you're talking about that is that, you know, not everyone uh, is rejecting something because of intellectual reasons. Right. Right. And we often think of that. And this is probably going to be the next YouTube video I, I put out. Uh, was asking how I kind of keep my cool. And the first thing is, well, not everyone rejects because of intellectual reasons, right? Mm-hmm. I'll present the best intellectual argument for something and then they blow it off and I and it gets me upset because I'm like, don't you see it? This is, <laughs> come on, what are you doing? Yeah. And then I realized, well, that's not the only reason people reject it, right? There's an emotional rejection of things. Totally. Where people have been hurt, especially by the church or by Christians or something. And there's also volitional, where people just want to do something else. Yeah. They just don't want to do it. Yeah. And I've had students flat out tell me, you know, I, I don't want to believe in God because if I did, I would have to change my life. Yep. And I just don't want to. Yeah. And so, look, at that point, I have to step back and go, look, it's not just me presenting an intellectual argument and therefore then they will come to Christ. Right. Now, has that happened to people? Absolutely. Right. There are people and the Holy Spirit uses many things. And that's kind of the second point is that we uh, and, and uh, you know, we often focus on results. Right. Yep. And we want results. We yep. are a results driven culture. Yep. And people are always asking us, how well is your business doing? How many members are in your church? How many views do you have? How many subscribers do you have? And it's all about results. And we have to think that in some of these things that matter most, we are not in control of the result. Yeah. 
And especially when it comes to Christianity, it is the work of the Holy Spirit in the person's life that, that controls the results. And I have to step back and say, God, I did my part. I was an ambassador. You made your appeal through me. I shared the gospel. I gave reasons. I love the person. The results are up to you. And sometimes we do step back and go, look, there's not an intellectual thing here. And if that comes up, awesome. But if not, let's just hang out and have fun. Yep. And so uh, those are things that, again, I, I keep thinking about is oftentimes the results aren't up to me. You have to find ways to really work with that person and allow either God to work on their life when it comes to Christianity yep. or other factors. And again, it's not always intellectual reasons. There's many motivating factors that people make their decisions. Yeah, no, <clears throat> you know, it's funny you talk about results. So I say this to people sometimes and they're like, oh, what? So um, I just recorded a video too on authenticity and being real. And so this is just me being real. Um, in the, let's see, 13, almost 14, 13 years of being a Christian, um, I cannot identify one person that has come to faith directly as the result of me having a conversation with them in that moment. Not one. And now, uh, I mean, part of that is like, again, theologically, like I'm not an altar call guy. And so like, even, you know, in preaching, maybe that's happened. I just don't like have somebody raise their hand to show me that that happened. Um, but then again, who knows? Um, so like, that used to really bother me. Yeah. And um, I used to feel very um, humiliated and embarrassed by saying that. Um, I think part of the reason that that's happened is because uh, to me being a results oriented and results driven person, that would fuel the wrong fire in me. But I think what it's done for me over time is realize that like, I just need to go about the calling that God has on my life. And again, that's to live as Christ has called me to and to preach the gospel as Christ has called me to. Yep. And God will take care of the conversion, right? Absolutely. And I think that too many people miss that. And, and it's a shame because um, it, it can be offensive to some people um, or hurtful to others, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one thing that was really helpful for me. And you mentioned this. Now, this is a Christian book, but I would recommend it for anyone. It's called Tactics, A Game Plan for Discussing Your Christian Convictions by Greg Kokel. Now, uh, it's geared towards Christian evangelism and making that case. But I say that this is valuable to anyone in any field because it, it tells you how, a, a game plan on mm -hmm. discussing your convictions. Now, it's focused on Christian convictions, yep. but whatever you're convicted of, how do you, and this is where I got those questions, what do you mean by that? How'd you come to that conclusion? It talks about a lot of different tactical game plans on how to maneuver in conversation. But one thing that that book talks about, I think, is is this idea that, look, you need to kind of bloom where you're planted. You need to do what you've been called to do at this time and recognizing that there's a process, especially when it comes to a person's salvation. You know, even scripture talks about, you know, someone plants a seed, someone tills the soil, plants the seeds, and then others help and God helps it grow. And, you know, and then some people reap the harvest mm -hmm. and hey, I may not be a harvest reaper. Like that may not be my position at all Sounds times. Cool, I know, right? You want to be the person that's there when 5,000 people raise their hands and accept Christ. And I just like, want to be yeah. called the harvest reaper. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I thought about it differently, but... <laughs> But oftentimes I think, and maybe in my in my life, maybe that would that would probably get to my head. Yeah. Look at you know, oh, and man. so the fact that I'm just simply tilling the soil and I'm breaking down these barriers, and that's a, a lot of what apologetics is 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 breaking down the barriers and filling in the potholes so that people can clearly see the gospel and clearly see the cross. Uh, that is is it's much more difficult to brag and boast about that sure. than it is. I I just preached and five thousand people were saved. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we, yeah, we're all at a different place. Yes. No. Absolutely. Okay, so let's turn a corner here because all of this makes me think of something else, and that is <clears throat> you have to make a living. Um, surprise, surprise, yeah. right? Like God just isn't like depositing checks into your bank account. Or my wife just makes a living, and I sit back and have fun. 
That would be kind of cool, right? That's not that's not the way it happens. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to make a living. Yeah. So you teach. Um, you get paid something to do that. Um, you speak. Uh, most of the time, you get paid something to do that. Uh, so so how do you think about that? Like how how do you manage? Like um, I want to do what God's called me to. Um, which hopefully every Christian is, no matter what domain of business they're in. Um, but like, how do you think about like, I got I want to do what God's called me to, and yet I need to provide for my family. You're newly married, woo woo. Yeah. Still, still in the honeymoon, kind yeah. of, right? Yeah, Less you a are. Year. Yeah, you, you know, are. We're good. Um, so, h- how do you balance all that? Like, how do you think about that? I, I think that's important. Um, yeah, I'm interested to know that. Well, I think at a fundamental level, what we often have to realize is that when God is calling you to do something, it doesn't mean ministry. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's one of the organizations I work with. So I also work alongside or with as an employee, a couple organizations along with everything else that I'm doing. See how many jobs he has to have just to make money. I know. Right. No, (laughs) Um, I do it for fun. But one of the things that they do is they do a worldview road trip. And I was actually just talking with the guy who led this last night and he was talking about how they take these students and they take them to a construction site. And the construction, the, the, the foreman or whatever, the head guy who's running this whole project uh, spoke to the students on really how he is a designer. He is an artist and he is creating beauty. And that is what God has called us to do, mm. right? God has gifted us to use the talents and abilities we have. And so when you look at this construction site, it's not just, oh, you're a construction guy. Oh, and there's the pastor. There's the teacher. But really, this guy who's in construction is using the gifts that God has given him to create beauty, to design things that then people will be able to use in relationship and in, in enjoyment of each other in fellowship, which is also what God has called us to be is, is in relationship. And so I think that's the first thing to recognize at a foundational level of God's calling on your life does not mean, okay, now you need to somehow go into ministry and support it some way. Right Now, I just got lucky that I truly believe God has called me to do what I'm doing. I love teaching uh, and I love doing what I'm doing. And it happens to have that mix. Mm-hmm. But that's obviously not all people, but it's recognizing your purpose. I mean, I even my, my dad's a, a dentist. and I remember having this conversation with him where, you know, at one point in his career, you know, just kind of getting tired of it or whatever. I don't remember what the reason was, but just, you know, seeing patients come in as kind of paychecks is, mm-hmm. hey, this is how I make my money. And then I'll spend time with my family. Then I'll go do church stuff. Then I'll do this. And then realizing, wow, every person that comes in this room is a human being created in the image of God, someone that I have to love and care for and transform them. And, you know, talking with parents that are struggling and being able to pray for them. And those sort of things are just so impactful that now it's like, man, I'm not looking forward to retirement. Like that's his idea of like, hey, I'm going to keep doing this as long as I can. And so it's that shift in perspective of this is not just my job so that I can do ministry. This is my ministry. Yeah. And in every position and job that I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, how I make a living. So I got lucky. Teaching is my main income. um, And that would support me. if I didn't do anything else. So yeah. everything else is just simply just fun. It's extra. And so, yeah, on top of that, so my, my podcasting and my radio show, I don't get paid for. That's all just fun out of my pocket. Uh, YouTube, I don't get paid for that because I don't have the, you know, millions of v- views that yeah. <laughs> I start do making squishies, money dude, on dude, I'm telling you, do <laughs> squishies. You just have to put out a couple just absolute nonsense videos. They go viral and then your, your, cha- your channel's golden. But, Seriously. Um, 
And so those things I just do for fun. But yeah, so public speaking is something that I, I do on uh, when I'm free. I do get paid for that. But teaching is that main job that, that brings in the income and really supports us. And is that nice, steady foundation that I know is coming in. Because speaking events, my goodness, you don't know when the next one's going to come. You have sure. busy seasons. I'm finishing up an extremely busy two months on the road. And now I have one speaking event booked in the next four months. So, yeah. you know, obviously some things will come up. But that's, you know, that would freak me out if I didn't have that full-time job to, to back it up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you, <clears throat> when you talked earlier about, you know, ministry and uh, when I first became a pastor, so this was August of 2012, uh, when we officially launched the church, um, my goal was to get into full-time ministry. Um, and I think a lot of that, because that's what I felt like the finish line was right like that was that was the ultimate thing to do to serve god and i definitely like still to this day through some big bumps in the road at times feel called to pastoral ministry um i don't feel that way anymore uh, and, it, and it, i went through a season of time just like that where i was like you know what like i don't need to be in a church building uh, i mean we haven't had our building our own building yet but like um i don't need to be in a church building i don't need to be like you know in the quote unquote uh, full-time vocational ministry role uh, in order to serve god like yeah. i i can and i am but w at the more that i accepted you know where god had me uh, the more opportunity God gave me to serve him and i love what you said too about you know the construction guy it's like you know there are so many amazing Christians that are in the business community. Now, unfortunately, I think most of those are beh recognized behind the scenes. Uh, they're not very public for intentional purposes. I think the ones that we hear about most often are the ones that are abusing the, the Christian name or the faith to get by or for prosperity's sake or whatever. Uh, and, and, and even there, like I think people can make money and be super duper successful. But I've met so many people along the way that are phenomenal Christians making millions of dollars and doing things for the kingdom of God that if they were a pastor in a church, they could probably never do, right? And so it's not that one is better than the other. It's yeah. just they're both different callings. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, as you kind of look to the future and you think about uh, continuing on in what God has called you to, do you still feel like um, uh, that there is going to be this balance of teaching and speaking? Um, we'll make sure to block like one or the other so they can't hear what you what your answer is so you don't get fired from the other one. Um, but like you're going to have to continue to support your wife yeah. and maybe one day kids. And uh, so there's a lot that's going to come into play there. So what do you what do you think is going to happen there? Well, that's one thing my wife and I have talked a lot about is uh, that we don't want to become or, I, you know, full time speakers. Uh, I have a lot of friends that are full time speakers. They love it, but they are on the road all the time. Yeah. They are constantly flying places. And especially in a, a new marriage and, yeah. you know, at some point uh, having young kids, um, I don't want to be away from my family that much. And so one thing that we have talked about is, is that I do want to keep teaching because that keeps me home Monday to Friday for 10 months out of the year. Yeah. And so uh, I do weekend events. I do some night events, um, but I'm home uh, Monday to Friday. Uh, during the school year summers though they do get crazy we know that summers is on the road a lot and so that is uh, that kind of unique time but that is kind of that balance that I have kept in making sure that I'm still with my family mm. is that my job forces me to be home Monday to Friday 
during the school year, which is about 10 months out of the year. Yeah. So in the future, uh, what, what I want to kind of transition into, and this is uh, a plan that I still have, I'm looking at PhD programs uh, or somehow uh, getting my doctorate and, and being a part-time college professor. Mm. And so I think my, my dream job, what I say right now, uh, that, I mean, I love what I do and I would be content if I continued doing this, but you know, kind of those goals I have is continuing to teach high school full-time maybe picking up one or two classes a semester at college level or graduate level and uh and then doing speaking uh, over the weekends and during the summers hmm. okay so i caught something there that i want to ask you so how do you stay content uh, which first of all takes on a negative connotation of itself and I, I hate that that happens but how do you stay content um as a speaker when you're out on the road watching other people that are flourishing, that are doing really well, that are maybe getting more notoriety than you, that are getting paid a lot more money than you, like that's got to be hard. Um, I know for me it is um, like, uh, like this is going to sound really terrible. And so thankfully most of the people that listen know me well enough to know uh, what I say when I say this, but like I go out and speak at an event and I'm typically one of the better speakers, if not the best speaker on this bill of people. And I know that there was people that got paid a significant amount more money than I did, or I got paid nothing and they got paid like the big dollar to go out and speak. And that can be really hard on my head, on my heart uh, for a lot of reasons. So do you, do you ever struggle with that? Like, how does that? How yeah, does that absolutely. I think, you know, to say I don't struggle with that's a normal human emotion, I think. Um, one thing that has been very helpful is I have had mentors in my life and professors that have talked about this idea of not comparing. Um, <clears throat> that we're not going to be the next so-and-so because mm-hmm. you can always look at someone who is better than you, who is more successful than you and be like, I want to be them. Uh, but we don't need another one of them. We need you and the unique talents and giftings that God has gifted you with uh, to do what you have been called to do. Mm-hmm. And so that is one thing that has been helpful, uh, but it, it happens. I obviously am very disappointed when I don't get events mm-hmm. that I know I'm qualified for. And it's like, come on, like, man, I really wish that I could have gotten it. I really wish I could have gotten it. But then at the same time, like I always try to go back and go, but I'm thankful I was able to do this. Yeah. And I think it also helps when I go to these events and students come up and they're talking with me and I have Q and A's and, and they really are appreciative of it and go, look, like I was able to reach these people again. Like this is where God has placed me at this time. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously like the way I try to have the attitude is like, look, I think that God has gifted me with this ability. I think that I've, I put in this time, this study and understanding this material. And so God, if you want it to get to more people, awesome. Cause I do think that that's a benefit for the kingdom. Sure. Right. And so I think that there is that, that prayer of, of God, I want this to grow not because of me but because this is truly kingdom benefiting work that will be a benefit to other people but then also being happy if it doesn't yeah and i think that was one thing that maybe the podcast helped with is like i started my podcast it's like man i don't know who's gonna listen to this thing yeah and at the beginning it was you know uh 50 or something and then all of a sudden it jumped up to a couple hundred but now it's been at that for a long time and it's like you know i'm not i'm not these podcasts that get a hundred thousand downloads per episode but at the same time, like, hey, this one's going to do it. Some, <laughs> no, it's not. It's some not. people are listening. And that's and that and I know and I think this is where that contentment comes in is I know I'm doing what God has called me to do. Yeah. The fact that 200 people are listening or 300 compared to 100,000, like that's not up to me. Yeah. Obviously, I'm trying to do some totally. marketing and I'm trying to do some stuff because I do think it's valuable information. But I think that my contentment comes, I know I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to do. And then I have talked to mentors who are way above me in the Mm -hmm. world. And I go, what else do I have to do? And I've asked them and they go, you're doing exactly what you need to do. 
And so I think that is so helpful. It's like, there's surely there's, there's something I can do to get to get more of your point. It's like, no, you're doing it. Yeah. Just keep doing it yeah. and keep being faithful and you know, and Hey, it'll pay off and, and something will happen. And so not that you're going to make it to that big level, but you, yeah. I think, I think it's the idea of just keep being faithful. I know for a fact I'm doing what God's calling me to do and I'm having fun with it. Yeah. There are times where you can blow up and people just like, now it becomes that business. Now it becomes that, Oh, I have to do this again. Yeah. And that's where like some people are like, Oh, you should get ads on your podcast. Or something. It's like, no, then I feel like I have to do it Yeah. right yeah, now. Totally. Because I'm not getting paid for this and because I'm not asking for donations, I don't have Patreon or anything like that, I just do it because I want to. Yep. And that also just helps so much in that, like, bringing and continuing that joy in the things that I do. Yeah. No. Yeah, I mean, I everything you said, I mean, I, I, I feel so much. And I hope, I'll, I hope everybody heard uh, – there was a lot of the great things that we've talked about to this point, but there was something about what you just said at the end that I think is – crucial. Um, I don't care whether you are in ministry or in business, whether you're a Christian or you're not. I think that like, first of all, uh, fighting against this lack of, or this comparison issue that we have in society in general, it's a really, really bad thing. You're so right. Like we are called to be us, not to be somebody else. I think that's so important. But then something else that you said that I really loved was like, you are going to continue to work as hard as humanly possible to to live out this calling right and again whether that is what you feel is god calling on your life or somebody else feels like it's just a calling that i don't know they say the universe or something like that yeah but like i i I love that because i think that like we should strive for greatness and i think that some of that is missing in christianity um i love again back to the construction idea and it's like that you are you are this artist you are creating i want to see more of that um, I have loved getting to know you now for two years, right? About yeah. two years and watching all of the things that God has done in your life to continue to grow you, uh, to give you so many crazy opportunities to speak and to see that kids, you know, wanted two hours, two and a half hours of Q and a time with you afterwards. I mean, that is working our butts off, right? To like, to, to stand in this position that God is calling us to and to be prepared for like the, the world platform. Like you never know when that opportunity is going to strike, but if you haven't worked harder and prepared yourself, you've totally blown it. So I have just loved to watch you get to this point and I'm sure this is only scratching the surface on what's, <laughs> what's to come for you. Yeah. It's exciting. And I appreciate it. Thank you for that. Um, what I was just thinking though is I spent the last two days with one of my professors uh, and he just finished writing a book. He just submitted it. It'll come out next year. So it won't be out for a while. Uh, but it's a book on immortality. Hmm. And it, he studied for a few years this idea that every single person, no matter who you are, because you kind of mentioned that it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not or business or Christian, or, you know, pastor, or whatever. Everyone has what he calls an immortality project. Mm -hmm. Everyone is trying to live forever. Many people do it through health, and I'm going to get the healthiest I possibly can to live as long as I possibly can. Many people do it through my name. I'm going to put my name on my business, and then people will remember me forever. Uh, And so everyone has this way. Maybe it's through their kids and genetics, and my kids will remember me. And he goes through these ideas and he shares a man in his research. He has tons of examples of this that he, he showed us in his book that's coming out again, like I said, in March. So and it's in a while. But uh, of people who have flat out said, you know, my, I want my kids and grandkids. That's what I'm living for is for them and that legacy that I'm leaving. But then he asked people, you know, how many of you know your great great grandparents names? Right. And he said in all the times of asking, one person has said yes. And he goes, do you care that you know their name? And they said <laughs> no. 
right? And so some people leave their name on a building, but it's a building and it's like, okay, whatever. Yeah. And so one thing that he points out in this book that I think is so valuable, and that's where I think the Christian worldview is so valuable, is he says that there's only one true immortality project, and that is Christianity. Yep. And that he says that in his research, even atheists will admit this, that says, no, we don't believe Christianity is true, but if it were that is the only view that truly gives immortality. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you have that, when, when you don't have Christianity, when you don't have the Christian worldview, you are living for your immortality project of building up your business as big as you can get it so you can say, look what, how I have changed yep. the world. Yep. You are out there trying to save the planet by doing recycling. You're out there trying to have kids and build into them because they're going to remember you. You're trying to set records so that you'll be known as the World Series champion or the, 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 the fastest person and the gold medalist. And, and everyone wants to be known as that thing and you're going to work your butt off for that thing and he shared that the number one reason when you truly get down to he said that what he found is that when people turn to to depression drugs alcohol that sort of things is when their immortality projects has fallen apart mm -hmm. and he shared story after story after story of people that strive strove after something failed and it led them into this deep place yep. Yep. and i think that's what's so different is that with being a Christian and recognizing that I truly only have true immortality in Jesus Christ, then I put my trust in him and now I can sit back and go, now I don't have to become the best. Yep. I don't have to put, leave my name on a building. I have something far greater than all of those things that will eventually be destroyed or people will forget in two yep. or three generations. Yep. I am simply just going to do what I want to do and that is going to be enough because I know I'm going to live forever no matter what. And so I think just having this conversation with him the next few days and this popping up now is I think that that is a massive motivational factor and massive change yep. is that people truly are living for their immortality project and it's driving them to need to be the best. Yep. Yeah. And that's where I sit back and go, I don't have to compare myself against a Robbie Zacharias or Sean McDowell or you, you, you know, your listeners probably don't even know those names. So, you know, yeah. a Steve Jobs or whatever. Yeah. I don't have to compare myself because I'm, I don't need to reach that yep. Yep. because I'm not trying to be that. I'm doing what Christ has called me to do. Yeah. 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 And I mean, a lot of people will know this because I've just been pumping it in all kinds of videos. But so I wear this hat. I'm actually wearing it right now. Famous enough. And it's from a company called Art of Homage out of uh, Texas. And like that's his message is I'm famous enough because God knows my name. And I think that what that's done for me is twofold. Well, first of all, it's been really cool because it's been a great conversation yeah. starter for people all around. But I think what it's done for me is along the lines of what you said, which is now that I have been released from the requirement to make something of myself, now I get to take crazy risks in radical ways to make something of myself. Because whether I pass or fail based upon the standards of the world, it just doesn't matter, yeah. right? Like my my hope and my eternity, my joy, my contentment, uh, every bit of who I am is resting in the fact that I am a Christian, right? That God knows my name and that I will spend eternity with him. And so not irresponsibly, but now I get to go out and I just get to go for it, right? And if I if I stand on the world stage one day, Everybody's going to know that it's God that put me there yeah. and I just get to go for it. And if I end up no more than what I am right now, which I don't even know what that is, um, then 
it doesn't matter because God knows my name. But it just takes the weight off your shoulders to where you truly become free to do what you want to do and do what you're called to do without the pressure of feeling you like you have to do X. Yes. Right, so again, you know, some people may turn that to laziness, but if you are truly following that path and understand what it means to be called by God, then that's not the option, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and what we're called to do. But I think that's that's the thing it is, is it's the pressure of having to reach a certain point or yes. else you're a failure and going, look, I'm good. You know, I I, I, I got 300 people that listen. Sweet. Yep. That's cool. Yep. That's 300 more than would otherwise. And yep. I'm happy with that. Yep. No, I love that. I hope everybody heard that. I mean, I think that there there's a lot of points of potential contention as people listen to some of those things, because at the end of the day, we are saying like Christianity is the ultimate finish line in that sense. Right. Like coming to faith in Jesus. And you've made it very clear. I hope that, you know, I continually make it clear that I want that for everybody. Um, But it's far beyond just us wanting people to become Christians. We really believe that that's i mean eternity is at stake and it's something that's so important so i love having you know this kind of dialogue particularly from somebody like you that is standing in this place of reason and argument and bringing people to an understanding of you know christianity all the while trying to uh, understand the struggles that they have or doubts that they have with what they've heard so far about yeah. it and now i'll just throw in a little plug you know if if uh we're not talking about it here, but if people want to discuss why that is so important, the reasons why I'm saying Christianity is actually true yes. versus just one of many ways. Hey, you can check out my stuff at coffeehousequestions.com. Uh, you know, mes- message me and I'll be happy to have those conversations and helping people understand. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I, I want to put all of your uh, contact information into the show notes. I will. Uh, he said coffeehousequestions.com. It's got a podcast that's after the same name. Uh, and then we'll make sure to put Instagram handles in there too, because cool. again, I think that's a really good place for people to go because as we're swiping through our day, just, uh, sometimes having permission to think, um, to think things and then seeing other people asking those same questions is so fantastic. And so whether it's the junior hire that's asked the question and we just seem to resonate with it yeah. or, or, you know, somebody else out there, I think that's so helpful. So yeah, no, I mean, I'm definitely going to do that. And I appreciate you so much. I mean, like I said, I think that you're in a really uh, an amazing spot, but at the same time, really a tough spot, you know, with uh, which is where we're at in culture and continuing to fight that good fight uh, and do so in a way in which the culture now more than ever is calling for um, this overabundance of love and tolerance and acceptance. And we want to do all those things all the while standing strong in the faith. And so you're in a tough spot. I mean, I think you've just done a fantastic job and have a ton of respect for, for all that you're doing. And uh, I'm super excited to see what's next. I mean, I just I know that there's more coming so thank you absolutely i so appreciate it and it's fun it's fun getting to join you and uh uh you were one of the first people that found out when i got engaged and uh (laughs) it's just so exciting to being able to as you mentioned over the last two years getting to know you and and seeing what you do and your passion and uh, also your love for us and other people it's just so cool so happy i got to join you yeah thank you i appreciate it all right, guys. Well, as always, uh, we'll make sure to put Ryan's information into the show notes. Uh, we are open to feedback. And, you know, this is one of those episodes, again, where it's not that um, I don't talk about this probably on a regular basis, but maybe more so than ever. You know, we're talking about things that uh, can be highly contestable, uh, where arguments do arise. And I want to stoke good, positive conversation. So wherever you're at uh, with faith or your worldview, these are great 
great questions to ask and have. So I'm open to that feedback. I'd love to hear from you. Again, Ryan would love to hear from you. So please feel free uh, to just to share that with me. I appreciate you listening. It's been a whole lot of fun today. Uh, We're coming up on an hour. And so with that, thanks for joining another episode of the Excellence Mindset Podcast in the books. Peace. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Excellence Mindset with Ryan James Miller. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe. And for more great content and to stay up to date, visit ryanjamesmiller.com. We'll catch you next time.